I want to take that as my text this morning from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, uh, verses 19 through 21, just three verses from Matthew's Gospel and from Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 964, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, and beginning at verse 19. And so today marks the beginning of our annual uh, stewardship series, which this year we're calling Giving with Confidence. Giving with Confidence. Indeed, not for a few people, giving or, if you like, a faithful financial stewardship is a scary subject. And so for the next three Sundays, I want us to consider together some of the things that God says about giving and why it makes sense for us, I think, uh, to set aside the fear and to start giving to those things that matter to God and that faithfully and with confidence. Uh, and to that end, this morning, I want to talk about giving with confidence, knowing that what I faithfully give to God cannot be lost. Giving with confidence, knowing that what I faithfully give to God cannot be lost. Indeed, life, uh, in life, there's lots of things uh, that are subject to loss. In fact, in the scriptures in several places, God says <laughs> that all will be lost. In fact, Jack just read that from Paul's letter, first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7. And you know this probably because as you've heard it in movies and read it in books, if you haven't read it in the New Testament, where Paul says, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of this world. And so all that we now possess, now that's a thought, isn't it? All that you now possess, everything, will be lost. You, take, you brought nothing into the world, and you shall take nothing out. You find the same truth in the book of Job. You find it in the Psalms and other places. It's just a truth that shows up in various different places in the Scriptures. But Jesus says, and what we have in our text, but what we entrust to God by giving can never be lost. Which indeed is just the point that Jesus is making in our text. Notice again, beginning at verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he says, and where your treasure is, there your heart will be, or your affections, your focus. And so Jesus says that some things are subject to loss, such as things, as he says, loss through corruption in various different ways, or in one way or in another. For instance, he talks about clothing that's a subject to moths. Now, this is interesting because in the first century and in Palestine, they had lots of sheep, and so uh, that would have been a source for them of making thread and, and cloth. Am I on, by the way? Did you lose? Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, and so he mentions, he mentions moths. We don't wear a lot of wool clothing, certainly not in this part of the country. 
Uh, and so, but the point is, is that uh, clothing, which by the way, in the first century uh, was a mark of, of wealth. If you, had if you had two changes of clothing, you were doing pretty well. And if you had more than that, you were clearly a rich man or a rich woman. And most people uh, in Jesus' day just would have had one. I don't know how they did the laundry, but uh, that was pretty much <laughs> the way that it was. But this storing up and having this wealth, as it would have been measured in Jesus' time, or, or metal items subject to rust, uh, we would, for us, right, is uh, vehicles uh, of various different sorts, whether you're talking about bicycles or motorcycles or, or cars. I just had the car in uh, for, uh, uh, for maintenance. It needs to be maintained because it's given to various different weaknesses or appliances, right? And now they build in redundancy, right? So they don't my grandmother, I, I don't know how many, I've been in, uh, Linda and I have in Victoria have been here in southern Texas for about 14 years. Uh, I don't know how many irons, you know, like to iron your clothes. I don't know how many irons I have purchased. And when I go out to California, I'm still using the same iron that my grandmother bought 50 years ago. But now they build redundancy into these things and tools and such like that. Things that wear out and break, indeed, what, what do we have or own that isn't subject to the second law of thermodynamics? Uh, that things wear down and things wear out. And so there are things that can be lost through corruption. And then there are things that can be lost uh, as a result, Jesus says, of theft. It was a problem then, it's a problem now. In fact, some of you only just recently have shared with me stories of theft. Broke into your car and stole things, and what a hassle all of that was. Um, I know people that, uh, even living in this neighborhood, uh, that have been members of the church and have had uh, come home and find uh, things broken. They had been uh, robbed and burgled. Uh, and, of course, you can imagine, or maybe you don't have to imagine if it's your personal experience, the violation of that, but the stealing of, of your wealth. Uh, or otherwise, if you haven't ever been burgled like that, uh, we all go around with great bunches of keys, uh, right, uh, to lock things up because of the threat of theft. And some of us have alarms, not only at the house, but maybe even on the car, because there are things that can be lost, Jesus says, as a result of theft. And then, as we already noted, and there isn't anything that we won't ultimately lose when we die. In fact, you may have heard the story that two men, and one of the men asked the other because a mutual friend of theirs had died, and one asked the other, and so, uh, what did he leave? And the other guy said, he left it all, because that's what happens. You leave it all, whether you have what we would think of as a lot are just a little. And so Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. It's a bad investment. Of course, you have needs, and we have retirement and all that sort of thing, and we need to be wise about that. But I always tell people, and so what are you doing about after retirement? <laughs> what plans are you making for that? Because after retirement lasts a whole lot longer than retirement. And so that needs to be looked after too as Jesus seems to be saying here. 
And possessing a true understanding of what earthly treasures are and what they are not is the first step toward being able to relate to wealth in a truly healthy and spiritual way. And so Jesus says some things are subject to loss. But then in stark contrast to that, Jesus says that what we, what we faithfully give to God, what you faithfully give to God, cannot, cannot be lost. Notice our text again, beginning at verse 19. And do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, <laughs> there your heart will be also. Your heart, your, it'll either be centered and focused in the world that is passing away or it will be centered and focused in heaven and the kingdom yet to come that will last forever. In fact, as uh, uh, Max Licato put it so beautifully, he said, whether you live to be nine or 90, life is short and the kingdom of God lasts forever. And so what are we investing in? <laughs> and so Jesus says that um, what you faithfully give to God cannot be lost. As a result of corruption, for instance, it won't rust. It can't be eaten by moths. It won't break down. It won't wear out or lose its value, even to inflation. <laughs> and Jesus says that what you faithfully give to God can't be lost as a result of theft. Indeed, God is mindful of the sacrifices you make to give to the things that matter to him for the furtherance of his kingdom, and he will ever be mindful of those things, and they are with him, and no one can steal from God. And as we've been saying, what you faithfully give to God can't be lost in death. As a result of death, indeed, that's when you'll be <laughs> reunited with that. And God will say to you, because you have been so faithful with him, with your finances, he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Indeed, without uh, you doing what you did, I, maybe I couldn't have gotten done what I got done. <laughs> but you were faithful, and I was mindful. And enter into the joy of your master, as Jesus tells the parable in other places. And so Jesus says, don't be laying, it's in the present tense, it's an imperative, it's a command, don't be laying up for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather be laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What should you be doing? <laughs> this is what Jesus is saying you should be doing. One might come without thought, and the other perhaps takes a lot of thought and deliberation. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, wrote this. He said, the only things that we will keep are the things we freely give to God. And what we are trying to keep for ourselves are just what we are sure to lose. <laughs> and that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. 
And so Jim Elliott said famously, Jim Elliott, the missionary to Ecuador, who died when he was 28 years old, but when he was still a student, I believe, at Wheaton College, he wrote this. He said, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I've always appreciated this statement made by Jim Carrey, the actor and comedian. He said this, he said, I think everyone should get rich and be famous and do everything they ever wanted so that they can see that that's not the answer. Listen to what he said. The guy that had, 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 has it all. I think everyone should get rich and be famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that that's not the answer. Interestingly enough, John the Apostle says something similar, but in a different way, as you might imagine. In 1 John chapter 2, and beginning at verse 15, he says to the Christian community, he says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God <laughs> will live forever. Notice that last statement again. But anyone who does what pleases God <laughs> will live forever. And perhaps that begs a question. Am I pleasing God in the way that I'm managing my wealth? Indeed, think about the commitment that Jacob made that, that Jack read just moments ago from Genesis chapter 28. In fact, listen to what he said. Jacob, the great patriarch. And Genesis says, and, and then Jacob made this vow, this promise, if God will indeed be with me. By the way, is God with you? If God will be with me and protect me, and if he will provide me with food and clothing. By the way, has, is he providing you with food and clothing? If God will be with me and protect me, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, then the Lord will certainly be my God and I will present to him a tenth of everything he gives me. If he'll be with me <laughs> and if he'll provide my basic needs, I will give him a tenth of everything he gives me. If you're, waiting, if you're waiting around to commit to the tithe when you have the same personal worth of Jim Carrey, <laughs> you'll probably never get around to it. And somebody asked Rockefeller, right, how much is enough? He said, just a little bit more. And that's just exactly the way it goes. The time to commit is the time that Jacob committed. Lord, if you'll be with me, and if you'll give me food and clothing, I will honor you with all that I have, and I'll give you a tenth of all that you give me. And so Jacob committed to the tithe. And I wonder 
Is God worth the tithe to you? You talk to every person who starts a giving commitment with the tithe and ask them how it went. <laughs> and they'll be both happy and disappointed. Number one, they'll be happy because God provides and disappointed because God provides. They were trying to make some kind of great huge sacrifice. And for some reason, God just keeps on. I have things that I, I, I couldn't have paid for. You might think, I'm, you look at what I got, you think I'm rich. But I, did, I didn't pay for it. Although, look at my car, you might think. <laughs> but God is good. In fact, I, I was telling the staff the other, this last week. I get in the car, and I'm driving to church, and I'm saying, thank you, Lord, for reliable transportation. <laughs> because he's good. If he'll be with me and give me food and clothing and, as it happens, reliable transportation, I will honor you, Lord, with all that you give me. And so is God worth the tithe to you? And if you were to commit yourself to the tithe, how would you think of it? Would you think of it as a loss or would you think of it as a gain? Giving with confidence, knowing that what we faithfully give to God cannot be lost. Let us pray. <laughs> I love that old song, Lord. <laughs> you can't beat God giving, no matter how hard you try. And Jacob here, he commits. And Jesus says, don't, don't, don't. Don't store it up here. You have your needs. You need to look out for that. But honor me. Honor me with your substance. Honor me and see if I don't both make you joyful and disappoint you at the same time. Because I will provide for you. As David said, once I was young and now I'm old and yet I've never seen God's righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. And so, Lord, what, a, what, a, what an honor it is. It's in you that we live and move and have our being. Indeed, you are always with us. You protect us. You do so. You, we owe you everything. And so when you in humility seemingly ask us for Ten cents on the dollar. And as we'll be seeing as we go on in the weeks, that actually you do that as a test. Honor me in this way and see if I don't open the clouds of heaven and pour down blessings on you like you never thought you'd ever have. Lord, help us to see that's the truth. And if we're tithing, then uh, also, if it, that, that's 10% is good, how about 11 and 12? And if we're not... Uh, if, we, if we're not there, to start there and follow the example of Jacob, that you might be honored and that we might find out that uh, you are a God even greater and more blessed than we ever thought. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.